belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for January 14th, 2024 is called Sabbath as Resistance. The teacher is John Ray, and we are going virtual this week due to the forecasted weather. Stay warm, everyone. Hey, y'all. As you know, we're not meeting in person today because of the dangerous weather outside. I hope everyone who's watching this is warm and safe and snuggled in with a good hot cup of tea as I am here. I want to welcome you to this time, and even though it is a recorded message, I encourage you to take some time to set apart to watch this where you're not distracted and where you can bring your attention to it. I want to start with a couple announcements. Um, first, on the building. Some people have been asking about where we are in progress, and and obviously we're not where we want to be. We've run into a number of issues regarding um, some permitting processes, some things that we have to do to the building. And quite honestly, finding the right contractor at the right price has taken much longer than we have anticipated. However, we are still moving forward. We're actively in the process of vetting contractors and looking at the budget and, and finding partners who can help us get into that. And we will keep you updated as things progress and we make progress. Um, on the building. So thanks for your patience. Uh, please continue to pray. If you have ideas, if you have suggestions, we're open to them. You can contact me. I'd be glad to talk to you about it. Um, I still believe, I think we all do, that that's a great place. It's a great location for us. And even though it's been frustrating, taking longer than we anticipated, I believe in the end, it's going to be well worth the wait. So uh, let's take a minute and just kind of quiet ourselves. Um, Bring our attention to the text if you have your notes out or if you have your Bible out. Um, I believe that this is holy time. It's sacred time. Even though we're not in person and we're meeting in homes, it is still uh, a sacred time to be together. So let's take a couple deep breaths. Lord Jesus, we bring our whole selves to you, to your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would now teach us collectively and individually, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, minds to wisely discern, and hearts to love and obey as we seek you. We declare our love for you with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, and all our mind. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So when I was a kid, one of my favorite TV shows was a comedy set in a German World War II prisoner of war camp. Now, if that sounds like a joke in and of itself, stick with me. But Hogan's Heroes was a bit of a send-up on the popular POW escape genres of the last century. Movies like The Great Escape or Stalag 17 or Von Ryan's Express. In the TV show, the whole shtick was that the prisoners were the ones actually in charge of the camp, while the hapless Germans running the camp maintained an outward veneer of control. 
They were just clueless that they were being played. From the camp, the prisoners um, were involved in all kinds of espionage and support of the resistance and movements against the Nazis. Um, anyway, I was thinking about this show. It came to my mind as I was thinking of Sabbath as resistance. I think it strangely illustrates an aspect of this idea of resistance. Um, while it may seem that the world is in control and that we are under its power, that we are prisoners under that, um, through the practice of Sabbath and through our allegiance to King Jesus and, and through these things, we're actually subverting all that. We're turning it all on its head. In a way, the things that were meant to oppress us, we can turn around and actually use for the good, not just our own good, but for the good of all humanity. I think Sabbath is key to that subversion, to that resistance. You see, by practicing Sabbath, we're demonstrating our ultimate allegiance to a power other than that of the world, of commerce, of any nation or identity other than that of King Jesus. And while Jesus can be nuanced in his teaching, and some things can be debated, he leaves little wiggle room on this question of allegiance. Uh, if you have your Bibles or you have your app, um, look, at, look at Matthew 6, 24. This is part of a much larger discourse, but it's it summarized. A lot of the, the, the words there and the meaning there is summarized in this, this brief text where he says, you cannot worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other. Now that alone, that alone is reminiscent, echoes of the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods, right? It, it also mirrors the Great Commandment, which we're going to talk about next week. Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And it could end there. But he doesn't. He goes on to say, um, adoration feeds contempt for the adoration of one feeds contempt of the other. This is the message version, Eugene Peterson. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money, both. That's interesting. Why doesn't he just say you can't worship God and other gods? Well, uh, this is in the context of economics, uh, some economic teachings. But we have to understand that money is not just an innate object. Money, or sometimes the Bible calls it manna, represents a spiritual reality or spiritual entity even that is directly opposed to the rule of our God, of the real God. And so Sabbath is a way of signifying our allegiance to someone or something other than that world, other than mammon other than empire, other than consumerism, other than commodification. We give, and we, we all give our allegiance to someone or something. There is no neutrality here. That's, that's a myth. <clears throat> we are giving our allegiance actively or passively to someone or something in that. And Sabbath is a primary way of practicing our allegiance to King Jesus in resistance to the demands of allegiance made by other things, other people, spiritual forces, um, personified uh, aspects of different gods, if you will. Now, this isn't easy, is it? 
we're all still in a world that makes serious demands of us with serious consequences for not going along with them. We need to remember that Sabbath is not an escape from the demands of being in the world. Rather, it's a gift, a place of orientation that allows us not just to survive, but ultimately flourish in the midst of it. As Jesus says in John's gospel, it's a way of being in the world, but not of it. Now, last week we talked about Sabbath as, resist, uh, Sabbath as witness. And the big idea there was Sabbath teaches us to rest differently for different reasons and for different meanings. And that ultimately practicing Sabbath is an act of faithful witness for us and from us. It's, it's God. It's a witness of God's love for us that we're not just human doings, but we're human beings with that. And we talked about how the practice of Sabbath is something that offers a witness to the world about what our faith is about. But it also bears witness to us about God, how God feels towards us and how we fit into all creation. And if you will remember, also, we talked about how usually the resistance, the reasons given for not practicing Sabbath, if they were applied to any other commandment, would make utterly no sense. Almost all the the, the pushback on why you can't practice Sabbath or why is, is on the issue of practicality. Um, but we don't do that with anything else. We don't say, well, I, I just don't murder or I, I continue to murder because not murdering is impractical. I mean, that makes no sense. But we do it with Sabbath. So we have to, we have to put ourselves back in the mindset of, <clears throat> okay, what's, what's really going on here? Is this something that I can just ignore, choose to ignore because it's impractical? Or is it something that I really need to pay serious attention to? Well, and, and as we get going too, I want to talk a little bit about the time frame here. Some people have asked, well, you know, what, are, what are we talking about time frame? Because traditional Jewish practice of Sabbath was from sundown on Friday all the way through Saturday until sundown on Saturday. That was considered the last day of the week, Monday or Sunday being the first day of the week on the Jewish calendar. Now, Christian practice has been to practice this day of Sabbath on Sundays. And, and at various times, it was, it was from sunrise to sunset, or it was 24 hours starting at midnight and going to midnight. Um, but, but the basis of it was on Sunday. This didn't start until about 300 years after the resurrection of Jesus, though, more when um, the, the public part practice of Sabbath, of Christianity, became more endorsed by the empire with it. Um, and it was, honestly, it was probably more of a political move than a theological one with that. I mean, some people will say that the reason they did that is because Sunday represented the day that Jesus rose from the grave. Sunday was the day that the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles. Uh, be that as it may, <clears throat> Personally, I think it was probably just more political um, than it was theological. But I'm not convinced that we do need to go back and, and mirror the exact Jewish tradition either. I think there's a value in keeping a, a unique Sabbath for Christians um, in a very profound way, beginning the week with Sabbath as an unearned gift. Imagine, just like Jesus says in the parable, where he pays every worker the same amount, no matter how much they've worked. 
imagine the free gift of salvation being given to us that we didn't earn. The Sabbath, in a way, is like that. I think it, I think it fits well within the theological construct of Christianity that we begin the week with Sabbath. We begin the week with a gift. We begin the week with with the wages for something we cannot earn. It's a gift that we start with, rather than being seen as a reward for something that we did at the end of the week. So I'm I'm actually a pretty big proponent for keeping it on Sunday. My own, my own opinion and practice and aspiration, and I'm not in any way saying this is absolute, it's debatable for sure, is to begin Sabbath at sundown on Saturday night and end it after our service um, on Sunday afternoon. That, that coming together is, in a way, the capstone of Sabbath. It's the way, it's the kind of the celebration at the end. And then afterwards, we go out and we, you know, we can either go home and get ready for the week for Monday, or we can go out and uh, have time together of fellowship, but but really trying to trying to create a rhythm through my week, where by the time sundown hits Saturday, I'm done with work. I'm done with what I need to do. Um, I've got all that done, and I can really concentrate on rest. And we're going to be talking more about that, like I said last week, um, all through this semester. Um, and actually, it's more important that we understand what Sabbath is for than the legalistic specifics of when we practice it with that. Um, <clears throat> but this week we're trying to understand Sabbath as resistance. Well, resistance to what? Are things really that bad? You have to start with that question. I mean, wouldn't it be better just to go along to get along? Why Why push? Why? Why make such a fuss? Look, our world increasingly just treats Sunday as another day. It's a day for soccer games, for kids. It's a day for uh, commerce, for shopping. It's a day for watching all kinds of sporting events. I mean, it's what, what's the problem with that? Is that really that big a deal? And when we say Sabbath is resistance, resistance against what? Well, I'm going to give you five things. Five things that I think Sabbath is resistance against. And why it's important that we actually resist these things with that. And the first one is commodification. It, it's hard for us to understand just how oppressive um, labor has been throughout of human history. The idea that you would actually stop and rest for a day, um, as practiced by the Jews, was was not practiced on, on the whole for almost any other culture throughout history. This is a unique idea. The, the prevalent idea was you, you work continually. And sure, you would have seasons where you stop and celebrations and things, but, but really the idea was work is preeminent with that. As I, again, as I was thinking about this, you, you know, my idea of the work, especially the way that it's done in our society, is that there's an ever-present stick. If you stop, there's negative consequences, but the carrot is ever-receding. So it's like the stick never goes away that's behind you, but the carrot in front of you is constantly going ahead with that. I think that well illustrates um kind of the way the system works with us is, is we never quite get there. You know, we're, we're encouraged, but then it's pulled away. We just never quite get enough. We never quite make the goal. We never quite get the quota. 
I was talking with someone in our fellowship the other day and they were talking about their year and bonus and the performance and, and, and they were saying how it was actually de-incentivized to go beyond their goal, that they hit their mark and then they stop, even though they were capable of doing more work. Because if they did that more work, well, that just raised the expectation the next year. It just created more work. And I mean, that's the way our system works, right? It's like ever increasing, ever the demand for ever increasing performance. We've got to tap, top last year. We have to do better. We have to be more efficient. We have to work harder, right? And it's just endless commodification of our efforts with that. And that commodity is fueled by coveting. You know, it all works together that, well, hey, let's, let's put more stuff out there for you to get. Let's put more stuff out there that's available. Both Brueggemann and Heschel, who are two of our authors that we're using as some of our reference texts, they talk about coveting and per- participating in an acquisitional society that, that they have to go hand in hand. And, uh, and Jennifer Acuff said, like, you know, Sabbath is like giving the middle finger <laughs> To that structure of society, it, it is a defiance of it, a resistance of it. It's a, best, a bit like saying, I reject this premise. So to practice Sabbath is to staunchly counter the act of coveting, because practicing Sabbath is a way of relying on God for all our needs. It's a, it's a, Sabbath is a way of saying, I, I have enough. I have enough. And, and listen, that, that takes effort in a world where we're taught that there's never enough, where we're motivated by the idea of lack, of competition with that. Sabbath is, a, is resistant to that anxious productivity that is always churned by that idea that there's never enough. So the first thing we resist, the first thing that we are against is commodification, not just our own, but of society, of other people. And then there's also mindfulness. That, look, you know, that covetousness that I just talked about, it's fueled by this, this mammoth system of sales, that, that there's always choices and there's always entertainment. The last thing, and, and I know this is, may, 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 just hold with me, may offend some people out there in that, but, but a lot of people who are selling you stuff, they don't want you to think. They don't want you to stop and think about it. They just, they want an impulse purchase. You look at the way our stores are set up, right? Those of, those of us with kids or those of you with kids, right? Like, you know where they place the stuff that's most attractive to the kids at their site so that they'll be attracted to it. And they, and they want that pressure, man. They want, they don't want you to stop and think. They don't want you to have the rational discussion. They, they want you to just mindlessly consume with that. And y'all, we just get in a rut of doing that. And we don't really stop and think about it. Yeah, we'll look at consumer reports. Maybe we do a little research, but we really don't stop and go, you know, why, do I really, is this, is this really good? My purchase of this thing, my acquisition of this thing is really going to make my life better with that. And that mindfulness is resistance against that mindless consuming with that, as well as the mindless production that leads, that allows for the consuming with that. So it resists against commodification. It resists against mindlessness. It's also a resistance against the diminishment of time. Now, what do I mean by that? 
we talked a little bit about it last week, how we are in a unique position where, in a way, we control time. I can turn these lights out. It's night. Turn them back on. It's day. I can go in and set my thermostat to the season. I can make it spring, summer, winter, fall. I always have water. I can go to the store. I can, I can have produce from summer, even in the midst of this cold snap with that. We are, we are lulled into the illusion that in a way time is just a constant thing, ever repetitive, uniform in itself. Sabbath resists that. Sabbath sanctifies a day where we're not in control, where we don't, we're not subject to those things. It's a day where we have to step back and rest and allow the day to happen at, on its own terms, at its own pace. Now, that doesn't mean that we turn off our electricity <clears throat> or don't eat certain foods, although some people could do that. Um, I know, on, I remember when Jane and I first bought one of our ovens, it had a Sabbath setting on it so that you could set it so that when you open the door on the Sabbath, the light wouldn't turn on because that was against Sabbath laws in, in Orthodox Judaism. But I think it's more of allowing the day to come to us instead of micromanaging, planning out, parsing out the day. And that, that allows time in a way to expand. It gives, us, it gives us more time with that when we're not in control of it. it, it and it leads to um, an expansion of it, whereas our constant productivity is a diminishment of it. So we're resisting against commodification, against mindlessness, against the diminishment of time, also against denaturalization, which goes hand in hand with time. Is like, when, when do we really have time to sit and watch attentively the seasons and the cycles of the year? Maybe, maybe a Sabbath practice would be, would be working in the yard, not, not, as a necessity, not as a requirement, but as a sign of covenant with that. Paying attention to what is growing, what is not growing. Watching the leaves as they turn and grow. Paying attention to living things, the care um, of living things with that. Reconnecting ourselves, getting our hands in the soil, getting our feet on the grass, uh, going for a hike, going for a swim, going for a float. These things reconnect us to nature and in anything in a way they expand the world rather than diminish it. And that's a crazy thing about this resistance is it's a way of expanding the world rather than diminishing it. When we so commodify, so cut, so package, so organize it, we're actually diminishing these things with that. So we've talked about how it is a, a resistance against commodification, against mindlessness, the diminishing of time, denaturalization. Finally, it's a diminishment of self-reliance. Sabbath is a big resistance to self-reliance. And we've talked about this, and we'll talk about it more. Um, and I mentioned, I think I mentioned it early on. It, look, if you're looking to me to be the expert that's got all this worked out, you're looking in the wrong place. I've been more frustrated with Sabbath throughout my life than I have been uh, really felt like I practice it well. Primarily that is because I've tried to do it alone. Practice doesn't work except in the context of community. 
there's just there's there's too many pressures. There's too many pressures um, to participate in other things if all your friends and all your community and everybody else is doing things and you're the only one practicing Sabbath. I mean, you would have to become a hermit for that to work. And most of us don't have that privilege or that capacity. Um, Sabbath is against self-sustenance. It's against this idea that believing we have earned what we have. Remember, if we if we welcome Sabbath as a gift, then we have to recognize that this that's something we can't give ourselves. It's something that we can't rely upon ourselves for. We have to be we have to receive it as a gift. Um, this also allows us to resist this harboring of resentment towards our neighbors, because it's not about competition anymore. We we in a way we all lay down. We lay down everything that we're using to compete. And it allows for neighborliness. It allows for reconnection. We're not using people to get what we need, and they're not using us to get what they need. But we're all practicing this together, and it creates this, in a way, this um, alternative economy of neighborly, labor, neighborliness, which is not based on commodification or competition with that. Um, but it's much more sharing and giving and receiving with that. Um, and like I said, when I started y'all, this, this is, this is really hard. It's really hard as, as Jennifer Acuff said, not to think of Sabbath as a lost day, especially if you've already got a practice where, Hey, Sabbath or Sunday is the day I catch up on the laundry and I catch up on the yard work and I catch up on all these things that I can't do because I've got to do my job all these other days. And then I take Saturday because I want to have a day to play and I want to have a day to go do things fun. And then I come home and then Monday is about to come and man, I got to get these things ready or it's all going to fall apart. I get it. I get it. I understand that anxiety and I understand that this is going to take practice. And that's why we're going to spend considerable amount of time talking about it. But we need to understand that this Sabbath is resistance is is it's not just external resistance. It's resisting our internal pressures, our internal anxieties, our internal set patterns. I mean, we're resisting things within ourselves, not just external forces, as we've talked about. Now, today, one of the things that I'm actually excited about recording this rather than the meeting together is that we have a unique practice or a unique opportunity to practice some of these things. You know, oftentimes during our concluding time where I say, hey, let's take some time and reflect and write some things down if, if anything's spoken to you. Uh, but we all know then you get up and you, and you talk to people and then you got to go get supper and then things happen. But right now you're watching this in your home. Hopefully there's no distraction. So I want you to, I want you to think about this. As you think about the idea of Sabbath as resistance, you think about the things we've talked about that it resists against, both externally and internally. Consider how you usually spend Sabbath. And for the sake of discussion here, we're going to talk about Sabbath starting Saturday night, going through Sunday afternoon into the evening. Maybe make a list. Uh, if you're there watching with someone, talk about it. Talk about it with your kids. Talk about it with your partner. Talk about it with friends that you're watching this. How do you normally spend those 24 hours with that? And then ask, what do those normal practices, routines, rhythm indicate about your allegiances? And going back to the Hogan's Heroes illustration uh, of resistance against a power, like 
like by demonstrating your allegiance to God through Sabbath, what what are your normal practices or historically the way you've done that? What do they say about your allegiances there? Again, this is shame-free zone. There's no guilt. We're, we're, we're looking at these things so that we can learn with that. And then as you do that, ask yourself, what, what things might you consider eliminating or doing less? What things that you, as you look at your list go, man, that doesn't smell right. That doesn't feel right that I'm doing that. What, what might you eliminate or do less of? And then likewise, what is something that maybe you're inspired that, that would demonstrate that allegiance that you could do more of, that you could add in or do more of? So when I want to end with that. I want to end with inviting you to, to give that some attention. And then I hope as we go on, as we start to meet with our table groups soon, that we'll have time to discuss those, to refine it. Uh, we're not gonna look, we're not gonna get it in one week. This is gonna take a this is gonna take a while. But I think that's a really good place to start. What what are the things, what do your normal routines and practices say? And what do you need to do less of? What do you need to do more of? Well, anyway, like I said, I hope you're staying warm um, in this dangerous weather. And uh I can't wait to see you next week when we get back together. So if you have any questions or this, comments, hey, text me, post them on the Facebook page, on uh, on the church Facebook page. Let's talk about it. Love y'all. Grace and peace. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. If you would like to give, you can go to gracechurchnwa.org forward slash give. You can find more about us online at gracechurchmwa.org. Grace and peace.